0: Welcome to Capturing the Abandon, a foray into the world of rural and urban abandoned exploration. Hello, my name is Vincent Gearhart, and along with my co host, Mr. Lex Nichols, we'd like to welcome you to episode seven of Capturing the Abandon. This podcast is for and about rural and urban abandoned explorers from anywhere in the world. On each episode, we will try to highlight and recognize a fellow explorer to see what inspires and motivates them, and most importantly, for all of us to get to know these explorers on a more personal level, as an individual, and as an artist. Just going a little back in time here, back in episode 5 of the show that we did with the wonderful Miss Jill Koop, Lex alluded to the idea of putting together a meetup of abandoned photographers someplace and sometime in the future. Strangely and kind of out of the blue, our good friend and art show partner, Karen Vopel, brought up the idea of putting together a bando festival and that she had the perfect location to host it. Well, Karen and I had a little impromptu meeting and the plans for such a festival are starting to come together. Keep an eye out for developing details on our Instagram pages at Colorado Abandoned and at Capturing the Abandoned as we continue to put this event together. You can find our Facebook page by searching for Capturing the Abandoned, and we'll use this page to share our podcast information, including our show notes and artwork for each episode, and information on locations where you can download, stream, and or subscribe to it. In addition to the Facebook page, we've also created a Facebook group at the same location called Capturing the Abandoned International which is dedicated to the purpose of showcasing the images, stories, and the people who create the images and art of this genre. This is where we hope to have anyone and everyone from any country post and share their rural and urban abandoned pictures and stories with everyone else. So please stop by and contribute. And now for the good part. We are honored to have Kyle Wilson from Selma, North Carolina of Left Behind Photography with us on this episode of the Capturing the Abandoned podcast. Kyle worked in the IT industry for a while and now is a full-time artist and does between 35 and 40 shows a year, all up and down the East Coast. Kyle is a big proponent of the HDR imaging process, and he has met Trey Ratcliffe of Stuck in Customs fame, once at a photo walk that he attended, and once just randomly while out and about. Just to give you a little idea about his schedule, this is how his 2018 year went. 12 months. 34 shows, 16 states, 52,000 miles, 33 motels and Airbnbs, three cars, and, of course, countless good times. We cover all of this and much more in this show. And without further ado, on with our interview with Mr. Kyle Wilson of Left Behind Photography. Well, hello, Kyle, and welcome to the Colorado Abandoned Podcast. Howdy, guys. Great to be here. It's good to have you. Looking forward to this.
1: So first of all, uh, give us a little background on yourself, a little 411, um, you know, about what you do.
0: I'm
2: a full-time photographer, and I shoot mainly rural Americana and all things left behind, lost, abandoned, and forgotten. I guess I fell in love with photography in 2012. Got serious in 2013 and started doing art shows part-time. And now I'm doing art shows full-time since 2016. So I, I basically take a bunch of pictures, put them on metal, and I set up essentially little art galleries in cities from like Naples, Florida, up to Buffalo, New York, and try to sell my art to anybody who's interested
1: <laughs> good it, it's kind of a tough gig but once you kind of get rolling and you know what works you know a guy can make a living doing it so that's awesome
0: checking out your uh blog the other day and noticed 2018 you had a, a run through some vehicles huh
2: oh my gosh yes that was a horrible year for vehicles you know i, I had a hyundai santa fe and i probably pushed that Passed its towing capacity because it, it didn't have a tow package. I installed one, and I think <laughs> its limit was like three thousand pounds. But I, I think I was just putting a strain on that transmission, you know, beyond what it could, and it almost made it to three hundred thousand miles. Wow! But it gave up the ghost between shows, and I, I was beside myself. And it was like during a rainstorm, you know, and it it. it, it So I had to leave it there. I think it was in Charlottesville. I don't know, somewhere in Virginia. And they would just give me scrap money for it. We're talking like 400 bucks. And so I was renting U-Hauls for a couple months. And that was, you know, it's like, okay, $20 a day, then a dollar a mile, hundreds of miles. So I was getting screwed, but I I had no choice because I already paid for these shows. So it sounded like I, I could not show enough to fulfill my commitment. So I finally scraped up enough dough, went on Craigslist, and found this Ford Bronco. I was like, hey, you paid him $2,000 cash. It was great. You know, it, it seemed in good condition, but I didn't have time to get it inspected. So I had to haul butt to a show in Ohio. I got 90 miles before it blew up. I had oh. 90 miles.
1: Oh, oh, no. my gosh.
2: Yeah. Uh. I mean, it just seized up and I had to get like a, I don't know if it was a road crew or somebody doing groundskeeping, you know, they, they tied the chain to the act, you know, to the frame and hauled, hauled me to a parking lot and it hasn't moved since. I mean, I I mean, somebody scrapped it, but um, <laughs> I, I, I didn't move it after that.
0: That, and, that was a rough year for sure. Yeah.
2: And, um, went back to u halls. And then I finally was able to, like in August, yeah, August of that year, got a uh, a VW Touareg, and it has a towing capacity of like seventy-seven hundred pounds. Wow! So I'm I good. More, yeah, so I'm more comfortable. It has less miles on it now, so I'm more comfortable with, you know, the lifespan of this. But I, I'm putting easily fifty thousand miles a year. At least I did with the Hyundai Santa Fe.
0: So you've traveling up and down the coast. Where do you call home? Uh, North Carolina, a little town called Selma,
2: North Carolina. I've been in North Carolina about 20 years. I did like, you know, Durham Cary, Clayton. So I'm gradually moving, you know, more and more rural and it, it's, it's a little town and it's still rural, lots of farmland and lots of good abandoned stuff there.
1: What got you into this type of photography, Kyle? The internet did,
2: basically. In IT, I had a lot of downtime, you know, between tickets. So, you know, I would surf the internet and I was seeing HDR photos. I didn't know it at the time, you know, by the like sort of like Trey Radcliffe and his peers. And they were unlike any photos I'd ever seen in my life. I was like, what is this? How do I do it? Can I do this? And so I I taught myself how to do it because a beautiful thing about HDR, it's not like somebody patented the process and and wants you to pay them $1,000 and they'll teach you. The stuff is out there to learn. You can teach yourself. So I did that. And at the same time, I had moved to this, to the rural part of my county. And I started seeing all these abandoned barns and farmhouses and rusty old trucks in the two things just exploded in my brain because HDR treats texture so well, you know, the paint, paint right. and the, and the rust. And I was creating photo. I, I wasn't taking pictures anymore. I was creating photographs. I thought.
0: Yeah. Making it, art. It, it,
2: yes, exactly. Something clicked, you know, something, you know, I was, I'm was such a, i was such ai was such a logical person, very technical. And of course the HDR appealed to my, the technical side of me because you know, getting into the software, tone mapping the different exposures is extremely technical. And I think I grasped that easily, but I didn't know I had this artistic side of me until I started uh, looking at what I was editing and then I was getting like positive reaction, you know, from friends, family, and, and, you know, random people online. Since that time, I haven't taken... I guess a normal picture
0: sense. I mean, most of what I shoot is <laughs> is HDR. Yeah, your images are stunning, so you can tell the, your love for HDR is there for sure. Thank you so much. So, what's your favorite subjects you like to shoot?
2: Rural Americana that that are left behind that there's some meaning to that. You know that places that people lived or worked or like the vehicles they drove or like the, the service station or, or general store they may have have stopped in. That's what thrills me, you know, the places and objects that are getting harder and harder to find because they're, they're either getting bulldozed or, or paved over or, or gentrified. So I am just, you know, things mm-hmm. that have a certain nostalgia, I, I guess is what, you know,
0: my, my favorites are. That sounds just like the kind of stuff we like to shoot, that's for sure.
1: In this, uh, in this day and age, everybody's trying to progress forward with technology. And then we have this niche of people like us that go and seek out the, the things that are uh, from the past, you know. So what kind of equipment do you use? What's your, what's your main rig, your setup?
2: It's simple because I can't afford anything elaborate because it seems like when I have the money I'm putting it into the business. I shoot with the, the new Canon R, and then the, the lens is the, I believe it's the, the 24 to 105. And then I have another wide angle lens and a 50 millimeter. So that is, I just have one body and three lenses, you know, and then the usual camera bag, battery, stuff like that. I don't have any sort of external Flashes or strobes, so I'm all use, just using natural light. So yeah, I I travel very light.
0: That Canon R, that's a that's a mirrorless uh, the new mirrorless camera, isn't it? Yes, yes, and I it
2: was a good time to I mean I my Canon Rebel has been a workhorse for like five years, but I was maxing out its capability, I, I think, and, and so I was looking to upgrade. I'm glad that I waited a generation and then Canon came out with the mirrorless right after a run of successful shows. So I actually had the money to upgrade. I'm glad I didn't, you know, get like a, a, I've been looking at like a Canon Mark two, three, four. I, I forget what it was. It had been on my wish list, Amazon wish list for like a two years. I'm glad I didn't jump and got that. So I, you know, I guess skipped the generation, got the, the Canon R. And, you know, going from the, the Canon Rebel to the R is like, you know, going from a Hyundai Santa Fe to a Cadillac Escalade. It, it's just,
0: it's <laughs> yeah. just amazing. It's a big jump, that's for sure. That's awesome. So what's your favorite utility and software and photo tricks that you like to do? As far as the software, I primarily use Still
2: Photomatics Pro and... A little bit of aurora 2019 it just depends on what look that i'm going for with, with that shot though it seems like photomatics tends to give me you know my look i guess quicker although i do then export into photoshop to finish it up because you know as you know it it, it tends to grunge up everything you know like your skies or your water you know and it Skies shouldn't be dirty looking, at least in, in my view, so yeah, it's it um, a lot of noise I, in there, doesn't it? Yeah so I'll, I'll export into uh, Photoshop and then I'll probably mask in one of the other exposures for the sky, you know, the the zero or the maybe the plus one or minus one, to get the sky more, I guess natural or less grungy looking and there's still a couple of you know plugins that i, I like from nick and also from topaz so i, I have a few favorites of those filters that, that i like to use but i i don't know if i have any you know trick per se because uh, you know I, I tend to know just enough of photoshop to get my look you know i i don't think the engineers even know everything that photoshop can do
0: but, just you mentioning that you uh Mask in the sky, that's that's a pretty awesome trick right there. That's something to keep in mind. And also do the same with, with water. I yeah. would probably mask
2: in the higher, you know, like the, the plus one or plus two, because you then get some movement in the water, you know, tend to make it look more smooth and glassy versus kind of dirty or even like gravel. And I'll also, it's, it, I, I rarely shoot People, but if there happens to be, you know, somebody with a skin tone, I'll, I'll do that. I'll just mask in the, you know, the zero layer of, of a face to get something more, more natural looking.
1: Well, we're we're familiar with a lot of those. I was I started using Photomatix when it first came out, and so that's kind of almost the same process I use. I don't have Aurora. I think Vincent does, but I have a couple Nick Effects filters and some Topaz. It, uh, their noise. Noise reduction filter works good, yeah. so that's awesome. It, it's uh, I think there's a lot of people that you know use. They have certain little things that work, but my preference is still Photometics Pro. So you said you started shooting maybe about 2012, 2013. How long have you been doing this seriously? What would you say, three, five years?
2: I, I'm gonna say I started in, in like 2012, so probably my first series of photos going out, finding these abandoned places was like the spring of 2012 with just a little Canon power shot. I think I got, I got serious in, in 2013, you know, cause at the time the most I could afford was Canon rebel T3i. So I, I, I grabbed that in a, a few good lenses and used that for about, you know, five years and, until the Canon R until now. So I guess, it, you know, it, in my whole career, I I didn't fall in love with photography until I discovered HDR and that was 2012. (laughs) So I I don't, Uh, you know, before that I was just taking snapshots, you know, stand the person in front of a a monument or, or, you know, take a picture of them opening a Christmas present or birthday party, you know, really kind of uninspired stuff.
0: Yep. Snapshots. Snapshots. We all love them. They make good. uh, I don't know what they're good for. Anyway, (laughs) good memories. Yeah, there you go, yeah. memories. <laughs> yeah. So we always like to ask everybody, you know, what the shadiest place they've ever been to or shot. Some people have never been to a place that they didn't like, and then some, you know, they just get a bad vibe, or got people around, or, you know, there's a lot of different I- things that make the place shady. You got any places like that that you shot? Yeah, there two places come to mind. One was early
2: on in my my shooting career was the abandoned switchback elementary school in uh, West Virginia, which was, a, 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 of course, a coal mining town. And since the, the war on coal, you know, jobs left. And so they just closed this school down and oh, the kids, you're going to a different, you know, they kind of congregated all the kids into a bigger school. But it's like they never went in and closed it properly. So their gymnasium was sort of a separate building, like all three floors. It just collapsed. Like you could see the ceiling hit this, the second floor, which hit the first floor. So I didn't even attempt to go in there. So I found a way into the basement, and there was severe water damage, and it was older construction and a lot of wood floors. So it was – looking back now, it was like – I tend to think about my safety last. I do whatever I need to do to get the shot. So there were parts of it that were, you know, seriously scary and weak and a lot of dry rot. And then there were two dogs that heard me, and I think they were trying to find me because they kept just walking around the perimeter of the property. And I didn't know if they were. They were. They were wild. I didn't think they were rabid. So. I had, luckily, some turkey bites. I had I had them in my backpack, so I was able to just like throw them out the window to the dogs to keep them outside while I while I shot inside.
1: Well, that's a good it, idea.
2: It, yeah. Okay. That's a tip and trick I have there. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, along with like a flashlight and probably a machete, is to carry some sort of beef jerky for the for the dogs. But that abandoned school was worth it because they still had books in the library and there still were like these happy Dr. Seuss posters that were fading and peeling, you know, with the, with the, the peeling paint. And um, it was just a, a, a really cool juxtaposition. That play, I went back a second time and it's gotten even worse. I mean, the, the, nobody's doing anything with it. So the leaks are worse. The rot is worse. It is seriously dangerous now. And then the second sketchiest place was uh, an abandoned tuberculosis hospital in uh, Lima, Ohio. Maybe I'm saying that wrong. Maybe it's Lima, Ohio. One dangerous part about it is that they do not only issue like citations for trespassing, they will arrest you if they find you on the property. I didn't learn that until later. Um, but apparently that's a big source of revenue for the town is you know, bail or citations for trespassers or photographers. But I went on a Monday afternoon and like nobody was around and it, nothing good was left inside of it though. So it had already been, there were no sort of equipment or operating tables or chairs even. And at one point I learned that had been used as like a paintball kind of facility so it, it was, there was tons of paint and graffiti, but, uh, again, the, the, it wasn't structurally sound. The like, entire west wing of it was collapsed or in the process of being collapsed. And then the basement, it was like 20 degrees colder and probably a couple inches of water underneath there. And, it, and after like a few minutes in there, it's like, I have no idea what the heck's floating in here. I mean, it could be chemicals and probably snakes. I was like, okay, there's nothing good to shoot here. Let's just, let's just leave. So (laughs) uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Time to move on.
1: So do you have a favorite story that you like to tell from your adventures?
2: I I haven't had any, uh, like real brushes with the law or, you know, being chased by like, like a bull in the pasture or anything like that. Two locations just are, are some of my favorites. The Lonaconing Silk Mill in Lonaconing, Maryland, that probably a lot of photographers have been to because uh, the real nice gentleman who was the caretaker, you paid a couple hundred bucks, and you got like a half a day shoot, and he was using the money to repair the roof. So by my first time there, it was... Like 28 degrees, there was still snow outside because this is in like Western Maryland. And I had two hoodies on and I was freezing, but I just didn't care because uh, I, I'm getting chills thinking about it because the place is just phenomenal as a photographer and, you know, just as also preserving a piece of history. So I started like on the middle floor, which had these looms and these spindles just like Tens of thousands of feet of them. I wow. went to the basement, and it, it was dark and even colder down there. And they they had a machine shop that had a, a steam-driven lathe, you know, with leather belts. So it, the steam and the this leather pulley system, you know, powered all of the machines in the place. And there was a, a lathe like from eighteen. Ninety something. They that, that they had gotten from I think from Pittsburgh. So there's still like the stamp on it, and it was extremely dark. So my last exposure, you know, my my probably my plus two exposure was like thirty seconds long. I thought the shutter was <laughs> never going to close. I'm like, I could feel the Earth rotating, and I was like, I know it's going to be blurry, <laughs> but it, but it wasn't. I mean, luckily, you know, nothing moved in those thirty seconds, and it, it, the the You know, that's the beauty of HDR, and it it just brought out the details and the light, you know, the natural light, which wasn't much of. You know, the best part, though, was getting up to the top floor. I got to the top floor, and it was probably like 2 o'clock in the afternoon, and there were tons of windows. And normally, that would have been too blown out, too bright to get decent shots, but that mill has this thick leaded glass from like the 20s or 30s that just gave this ethereal feel to the light that you can't recreate with a lens filter. You can't recreate with a, a software filter. It just, you have to be there to see the quality of this light. It's like everything was there just waiting for me to be there on that day at that moment. And it, it, I, when I tell people about this, it was like catching lightning in a bottle. And I was like, Kyle, do not wow. screw this up. Cause I, I was like, this light is going to last one hour. And then it's going to be a different angle, angles look different. And so, you know, I, I'm extremely technical. So I just was making sure I had everything set in my camera, all the correct settings. And then I was like, God, I hope I have something artistic here. I hope I have something, you know, to say. So that, that, was, that was, you know, once in a lifetime, at least for me, because now people have told me recently that the, the poor old guy has died, you know, the caretaker, and they don't know what the future of that old mill is going to be. So I, I, I'm extremely grateful I got in when I did. Probably the second favorite location is the, uh, the historic abandoned Cossett Library in downtown Memphis, Tennessee. That one I, I didn't pay, but I, I spent like four months sending emails and voicemails trying to find somebody who could let me in for him to get the permissions and then to get our schedules to mesh up. And so I drove for, I had finished a show in Knoxville. I was like, "Well, we can just drive to to Memphis," you know, not knowing I'm driving all the way across the state of Tennessee, which is like eight freaking hours. <laughs> but luckily, it was set up the the, the following day, and then the nice gentleman he let me in and he gave me a tour, you know, and a little bit of history, and then just let me on. He he locked me in there to just to text him when I'm done. That was another positively amazing location. It was. Hit built in like the late 1800s, had this gorgeous red stone, like with Romanesque architecture in terms so it looked like a castle. But then it was an unfortunate, uh, I guess, rec- cult renovation. So they wiped out the front half of this great building and instead erected this ugly 1950s era a concrete bunker. So it looks like crap from the outside. It just looks like, you know, concrete and glass box. But the back looks like a castle, And in that back section is where these abandoned books, they were like called the stacks. So they were out of circulation had been left to the ravages of time. So, you know, being there, I had all the dust, you know, of course, some, you know, rodent droppings and just loose pages of uh, magazines and books just all over the floor. And there were such great colors because they had like encyclopedias and reference books there. But, you know, so I had like, Twelve blue books, and then there'd be like ten black you know red and yellow, so I had colors and textures, and again, I was fortunate with the lighting because in this where this these books were were at the corner back corner of this historic part. so again had huge historic windows that was letting in light from two different angles that just lit the place up like you know like they still had electricity in there which which they didn't I don't mean to like blow my own horn. But I mean, I'm extremely proud of the photos that I made. And I think they may be the last photos of that place because the gentleman who let me in and out then told me they'd gotten a private grant. In fact, they had started construction before I came. They had finished the asbestos removal, (laughs) luckily, before I came. And they were going (laughs) to finish with the second part of construction like a week after that. So my photos may be the last ones of this just, you know, the inside of this historic library as it was, or had it, as it had been for, I don't know, probably 50 years. Uh, I'm not sure the day to close it. It may be, it may have been in my, in my blog, but the details escape me. But it just the whole experience is still fresh in my mind, like, I, like I'm back there again.
0: That's great. That's nice. Uh, I, I like hearing the passion of the, that you have for finding the right environment to shoot in and, and then how you take advantage of it too. So that's, that's awesome.
2: Thank you. Yeah. I I, I warned you, you asked me one question and I could just, I I get started and I could ramble for like 30 minutes.
0: (laughs) That's all right. So Kyle, what's the best shot that you think you've taken and, and tell us why you think it's, that's the case. A couple come to mind, but I'm going to say probably the winner is
2: what I titled archived from the Cossett library that I just, you know, told you 20 minutes story on. And I think because if in one shot, I think I was able to get a full sense of the the library or that section of the library. It was tight because, you know, shooting down rows of books, you know, to the left and to the right. And I think I have that historic window more or less centered in the distance in the center. And it's it's actually, I actually nine shots, so sort of a panorama, you know, shooting and in portrait mode. So three to the left, three to the middle and three to the right. You know, then I combined them all. And then when I finished editing them, I, I was like, I, I knew I had something special because it was like I was standing back there again. It, it was like I was there that day with that lighting. And I'm like, yes, I can take all the people who can't ever see these books again they can't be with me, but this is the closest I can to getting them there and to getting them the the, the sense of, of this place and the, the the state that the library and these old books were in. So, yeah, I'd, I'd have to say archived it, it is currently my favorite, but, I, you know, ask me in, you know, six months. It, it may change.
0: <laughs> <clears throat> so
1: uh, you want to talk about some of your art shows and exhibitions that you have coming up? Yes.
2: Yeah. I mean, oh gosh, I, I'm, I do like 35 a year. This wow. weekend, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I do, <laughs> is something entirely different. It's not an art show. I applied for three different art shows this weekend, and I did not get in, invited to any of them. That's going to be their loss. So I am trying something different. It's not an art show, I'm going to a car show. Yeah, I know, I know what you're thinking, oh, cool. but what the hell? That's perfect. That's what I'm thinking, because people love cars. And no matter what part of the country, it, it doesn't matter if it's California, Florida, or, or, or Maine, people love their cars. They love their trucks, you know, the, whether it's new or, or used. So I'm going to the, the Chrysler Nationals at the Carlisle Fairgrounds in, in Carlisle, Pennsylvania, and I'm going to try my luck, you know, selling pictures of cars you know, versus actual cars or car parts. So that's, you know, this weekend. And then after that, I'm back to, you know, Baltimore, Maryland, which is, is one of my favorite shows. I've been, this would be like my my fourth year doing it. It's it's, it's always a long show and it's always hot, but Baltimore supports the arts. They I've grown a fan base there. So I have some customers who come back and want to see me. They want to know if I'm coming back, what, and they'll come in and it's like, what's new, Kyle? What's new? So I know I have to produce new stuff and get things I haven't seen yet and get it up on my walls. You know, the, my fall schedule is, you know, it, it's my, my best shows are in, i probably say September, October, and a little bit into November. And you know, because most people are buying then, and also, I just seem to hit really good towns in in those months. And of course, if, if people want to, you know, look at my schedule, there's a schedule tab on my
0: website. Do you have any photo shoots that you have coming up that you're looking to do in the near future?
2: Uh, yeah, well, I I'm just running to shoot list, so I get a lot of tips at my shows, and also I would write these down in oddest places. And so finally I got them all together in one place. I want to shoot the um, trans Allegheny lunatic asylum. <laughs> what a I I know, right? <laughs> oh that's, that's just got to be worth the trip right there. I know it's not like, you know, a mental hospital. No, it's a freaking lunatic asylum. Um, <laughs> I think I live it, there. <laughs> yeah. um, I've also, you know, would like to shoot the, it's called different things, probably or train graveyard. That's somewhere here in, in Pennsylvania. I feel I'm close to it. I don't think close enough. That's on my to shoot I mean, I'm looking at my to shoot list. I mean, I'm sorry. It's like, um yeah, probably like 40 entries. Great. And that's why I try to incorporate a shoot in the town or city that I'm in. And so I got get a lot of tips from my shows. People say, oh my gosh, I love your stuff. You know what? You should shoot, you know, such and such and such and such and I'll write it down and then I'll like go to Google Maps or Satellite and see if I can locate it and if it looks promising and I had the time, you know, I'll go shoot that, you know, so I'll take like a, an extra day in that city and um, shoot whatever cool stuff I can find. I don't know if I'll ever run out of, a to shoot list i just i have more to shoot than i have
1: time
0: that's the way it works i think yeah we cover a smaller area than you do for sure if you're moving from florida to you know way up north there we usually just try to shoot around colorado and we don't even get a chance very much to get out and shoot as much as we'd like any other parts of the state we mostly just do southeast colorado but there's still there's still a lot of places around here for us to, to shoot for sure yeah, and
2: my my dilemma is finding the time to create new art in between doing shows and you know running the business, you know producing inventory and shooting. It's sitting down and editing and making new art and creating new photos. I just you know I probably shot probably 300 photos today, and I unfortunately I don't know when I'm going to get to them. I have. I just so much great stuff to show y'all my girlfriend and i took vacation for the first time in forever and we went to new england neither of us have ever been to new england and i filled a memory card just with shots in new england i've only been able to to produce a couple of them so i i'm super excited to to jump back in, into those and to edit them and um, see what how they turned out
0: yeah time definitely gets in the way when you when you want to do some editing and do some shooting too so just uh, life goes on that's for sure yeah darn it (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) do you have a couple of people that you'd like to do a shout out to or mention either instagram photographers or art influences or anything like that
2: of course my girlfriend and business partner who supports me veronica price and and as far as like artistically, you know, inspiration is is Trey Ratcliffe is, I mean, he's more of the inspiration. He's like my mentor without even knowing it. It's probably an understatement to say he changed my life. I mean, he inspired me. His, I guess his background's a little bit like mine. He was also in IT, governed HDR, and from then on has been a phenomenal artist. I've actually met him twice, but that's, uh, and that was, uh, I was super lucky to to do that. The guy is just so cool and down to earth. So big shout out to to him.
0: So what cities did you get to meet Trey at? One
2: is Washington, D.C. It was a, a photo walk. So he was doing these these free photo walks. He happened to hit one of those, you know, like three or four hours from where I was drove up there and just had this really great time and it was free like just anybody could come and that's, you know he awesome. the, Yeah and I was like I was like a fanboy and I had him sign my lens hood and I was like <laughs> the only one who did that and I'm like I I can't believe anybody else isn't doing this I mean it was like and so I, I completely fanboyed out and then I I paid extra for the after party yeah. I even got to, there. I got to ask him a question, you know, I made sure it was, you know, thoughtful and, you know, insightful and got picture taken with him. And the guy's just, he's super approachable. His head's not big in his own, you know, like celebrityism. And sure. then it, it was amazing. And then more like I'd hope for a couple years later, I'm doing a show in downtown uh, Sarasota, Florida, and he's walking by with his assistant, and they're doing Instagram. I know they're doing, like, short clips for an Instagram story, I guess, at the time. And his voice is very distinctive, just because I bought a lot of his um, tutorials. So I know mm-hmm. his voice. Yeah. I'm not stalking him, okay? I just know his voice. <laughs> so he's, he's, walking okay. through, he's, walking, <laughs> he's walking by, and I just scream, Trey Ratcliffe, as loud as I could. And he stops in his tracks. And he comes over and he looks at, and he remembers me. Wow. Remembers me. So I'm the guy who had him sign his Lens Hood. And he remembers me from, like, two years ago in, in D.C. Great guy. Took another couple, you know, selfies with him. And he saw, you know, some of my art in, in, in person. And it was, again, a, a super cool. He even gave me a shout out on Instagram. And, you know, next, you know, I just need him to hire me as his assistant yeah. and move me down to <laughs> move me, move me to, to New Zealand with him
0: <laughs> yeah now now there you're you talking go. so you have a few others that you want to mention um, like
2: they're um, like at I, I'm going to pronounce her name wrong Zadaya Urbex Z-A-E-D-A-H dot Urbex at Cindy Urbex Herback sorry geez at Barnaddict and at Ashley Mortensen and uh, I I know I'm going to forget some
0: Oh yeah Just, there's too many for sure I know
2: yeah. and not that I have a bunch I only have like a, a, a you know 5 or 600 but um <laughs> that's all These awful. are ones have, Yeah I know it, it's 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 it seems like so little but I know there's a lot of people who a lot of news about, you know, people buying influencers or having fake influencers. I, I, I haven't done that. So I've, I've gotten like, you know, 600 the hard way, so to speak. Sure. And of course, you know, all the, the, you know, you guys and, and all the other hubs that, you know, support me or have featured, you know, my photo from photos from time to time.
1: That's great. You know, there's, there's, So many people that can influence your work and uh, give you inspiration, and we're constantly there's somebody new, you know, that'll like something that we do, and you go and check their stuff out. So that's how it works. Everybody kind of feeds off of each other and inspires each other.
2: Yeah, and pushes you know us to do better. I was like, you know, like, damn, that's a good shot, or you know, that's some some great lighting there, and
0: then inspirational for sure.
1: I have the occasional. Man, I wish I would have shot that. I, I wish I could do that. And so you get yeah. those, you know, you have those moments. But so, um, Kyle, how can people get in touch with you? What's the best way?
2: Probably my website, which is uh, leftbehind.zenfolio.com or on Instagram at leftbehindphotography. Or probably the the, the two best ways, you know, on my website has most of my photos and my schedule and also my blog. You know, I don't, I think YouTube may be the, the, you know, a few of the people that have read it, but somebody has a, a you know, some time, some time to kill in the waiting room somewhere. They can
0: well, I enjoyed yeah, look at my going blog. through your website. There was a, it was very interesting. And your blog was a, a lot of fun too. It's like some of your adventures and misadventures. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I try to keep things positive
2: you know as much as possible but also want you know to be realistic about you know this this lifestyle and you know being an artist full-time that it's you know i am living the dream you know but sometimes the dream is is tough to live
0: (laughs) you have some incredible pictures on your instagram feed of your your booth and how it's laid out and it it just looks beautiful. And I'm I'm trying to, you know, just create
2: a you know, an art gallery kind of look, but still have pictures that everybody can relate to. You know, just you know, stuff that that most people can see, you know, if not in their backyard, you know, at least, you know, traveling, you know, the roads that that, that they travel.
1: You know what? We we sure appreciate you, you know, sharing uh some of your story and uh, sharing your art with us. We, uh, we hope hope the best for you and you know it all starts from one one person liking an image and then it grows. Our remember Vincent and I when we first started this Colorado Bandom project you know we we're like oh man we're almost at a hundred and then hey we're almost at 200 and so it just it takes time but you're, you're doing what you're passionate about and that's I think is uh, the most important thing.
2: Thank you, I, I, and I, I hope that 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 shows. But I just, I'm trying to get as much of my art out there, you know, to as many people as possible, and try to make connections with them, you know, through my art. And I, right now, I'm, you know, doing these art shows. I, I'm definitely able to reach a whole lot of people, you know, in a short amount of time, you know, and, and make connections and start conversations and and maybe inspire somebody or you know, really just trying to let people know you can have some art. You can take it home with you and you can have the same reaction every time you come into that room.
1: Yeah. Uh, absolutely. The next Trey Ratcliffe.
2: Yeah, <laughs> <Dang, laughs> there you go.
1: <laughs> yeah. So
2: you're well, too thank kind. you, Kyle. <laughs> thank you guys very you? much for this opportunity. I, I appreciate it.
0: Yeah, it's been you really it. been really good and uh we really appreciate you sharing your story, like with like said and um, yeah, we wish you all the best for your future endeavors. We look
1: forward to seeing your work, and uh, you know we'll we'll keep the likes going. And I'm sure everybody else, uh, once we get this published, there'll there'll be more to come.
0: Thank you, thank you guys so much. Once again, thank you, Kyle, very much for being our guest on this, our seventh episode of the Capturing the Abandoned podcast. Folks, be sure to visit and follow Kyle on Instagram as at leftbehindphotography and visit his website at leftbehind.zenfolio.com. Oh, and Kyle wanted to have us let you know, he says, stay tuned for an upcoming book. It Used to Be a Fast Car is a title for the music bit in this show and was composed and performed by my good friend and co-host, Mr. Lex Nichols. As we have started to do, for your listening pleasure, we have included the full track at the end of the show. You can find more of Lex's music on his website at lexnichols.com, on his YouTube channel, Spotify, and on iTunes. Folks, be sure to give him a listen. And just as a plug here for the book that we've been working on for a while now, it's finally done and is now available for pre-order on Amazon as a prime item. The book contains over 200 of our favorite images that we've taken over the last three years and provides some insight into who Lex and I are. Just search for Colorado Abandoned and it should just pop right up in Amazon. We've reached the end of this episode of Capturing the Abandoned and we hope that you have enjoyed it. You should be able to find this podcast wherever fine podcasts are served including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, Overcast, and more. Please subscribe and be sure to let any of your adventurous friends and relatives know about this podcast. Your feedback is important to us, so please feel free to reach out to us at capturingtheabandoned at gmail.com and leave us your thoughts, ideas, and suggestions on how we can improve this show and bring you the best Capturing the Abandoned experience. Fun Fun times? Exciting guests and abandoned content are up ahead, so please stay tuned. And until next time, be safe out there. As promised, here's It Used to Be a Fast Car by Lex Nichols.